Hey everyone, big news. Up Next in Commerce is now available for sponsorship. If you love this show and you, or maybe your company, or someone in your network that you know may want to reach an audience of supremely smart e-commerce leaders, then reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and I'll give you all the juicy details around what our strategic partnerships look like. Email me at stephanie at mission.org and let's chat. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of Mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities? Or little discussed financial trends? Or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. On today's episode, we're getting into some of the biggest trends in the world of commerce with someone who definitely knows a thing or two about the space. Joining me is Eric Dick, the founder and CEO of D2C Newsletter and the podcast. Eric, welcome to the show. Stephanie, it's great to be here. Yeah, so I feel like this is going to be a fun and different conversation because it's like two podcast hosts coming together, seeing how this is going to go. And I think it's actually a first for me. I don't think I've ever had another podcast host on the show before. So how's it feeling for you? Very cool. I love it. It's uh, usually I'm doing the uh, the interviewing, so I'm uh, excited to be on the other side of it today. Yep. Yeah, me too. So I would love to know how you got into the space. I mean, you guys are doing a ton. You've got newsletters, you've got podcasts, you have agencies helping brands. I mean, it looks like you're everywhere in this D2C space. And I just want to hear a bit about your background and how you even became interested in this world. Yeah, so it's uh, it it starts it all starts back. I moved to this to where I live now, which is Victoria, British Columbia, which is a, a bit of a secret marketing tech mecca. I didn't realize, um, but I ended up joining a company there that did performance marketing, affiliate marketing specifically, a form of affiliate marketing where they were promoting things like dating, uh, you know, dating memberships, and you know, things like e cards, things like the early days of the internet, ringtones, these kinds of things. And, and we, I, I kind of was brought on as the, as I kind of BSed my way into uh, a, a job where I, you know, I had a film degree. I just come from a film, film school and I BSed my way into being like, okay, I can be an internet marketer. I can figure this out. And they basically gave me a job of like running the offers on their network internally. Um, so I basically was trying to figure out freestyling on the internet, how to, how, trying to figure out how to make these offers work, whether they were ringtones or downloads or uh, dating websites or whatever. 
Um, and I quickly learned that, you know, that the whole style of how you did that kind of marketing was performance marketing, where you're literally maximizing the value of every interaction that you have, trying to use every element that you have to look at the data, run a campaign, look at the data, optimize and run it again so that you get positive ROI. And I remember looking, you know, thinking at the time, like, oh man, what would the agency world at the time, 2000, this is 2006, 2007, what, what, what does the agency world look like when they spend money? Are they just sort of spraying and praying and then getting lift reports? and doing things. Whereas we're down on the, on the front lines of performance marketing, optimizing everything to make it work. Um, and so I, I kind of stayed in, you know, I've stayed in Victoria and I've stayed in, in this world of, of performance marketing. Um, I've had my own startups. I've, I've exited my own startups. I ended up working for a while for a international um, event company and building a bit of a, of, it was my first stab at sort of starting in that affiliate space and then moving really into the e-commerce entrepreneurial space. Um, when I started doing events sort of all over the world, I um, did events in Bangkok and Barcelona and Berlin and uh, Las Vegas and and basically kind of really capitulated this audience of like um, affiliate performance marketers who are really interested in growing e-commerce brands because they realized that they wanted to invest in something more solid than the affiliate world, which is sort of always up and down depending on on what offers are available. So they wanted to start creating their own brands. Um, and I kind of built this uh, educational um, event community around that idea. And it, it really got my first taste for how much I, first of all, love being around entrepreneurs, um, how much I really like the space um, and how much I yeah just wanted to be a part of it and, and keep growing it. Um, and that kind of led into D2C Newsletter. I, it's funny, while I was building that business, that training event business, I was renting office space from friends of mine that had started a performance marketing agency. They had also worked at that original company that I worked at in 2007, 8, 9. Uh, and they were building uh, this idea of building a, a digital marketing agency where they where they win when when there's high performance. When they this sort of their model is basically they have a um, a retainer uh, and then and that covers the cost of the staff and that any profit is earned when we're able to make the the campaigns really work. And this was sort of ties all the way back to our performance marketing days. Um, they, then they brought me on and I sort of they were like let's start making content about how we think about marketing. Um, and that was like my first weekend I did it in March 20, I did a podcast, uh, which was how to advertise, how to performance market, how to do performance marketing in a pandemic. Um, and it was just when all of that started and we did a podcast, we decided, Hey, there's so much good stuff in this podcast. Why don't we turn it into a newsletter? Um, and we have kind of grown from there. We, I just did my 266th episode. Amazing. We have on the newsletter side now, 160,000 subscribers. We send, uh, three free emails a week with just, you know, packed with sort of, um, performance marketing and, and e-commerce advice. Uh, we're building, we've got an event coming up in Las Vegas. We're building an education division, but we, our goal is to really just help people um, master the D2C and e-commerce space uh, as much as possible. I love that. Okay. So, I mean, you mentioned the newsletter and newsletters to me are a hard thing to win at. You have to actually have good content people actually have to like what you're telling them. So I want to hear, I mean, for the space we're in now, like 2023, it feels very shaky. What are maybe some of the best tips or pieces of advice or things that your readers and listeners are like, oh, that was really good, Eric. Like that's actually helping me think differently about building my company. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great position. I, I was saying um, in the pre-interview that the podcast is we do two or three a week. And one of them is always an interview with like a high growth um, founder or executive at a D2C brand. Um And so I'm just constantly kind of getting a pipeline to how these people are thinking about their growth. The first thing that I would start with is just the the common thread among almost all successful people that I see is that it really starts with the product. 
it really starts with, with, I was just interviewing, um, someone from iRestore just yesterday and they were talking, the iRestore is a hair restoring device. And he was kind of going into depth on how hard it was to develop this custom product out of his and his father's imagination, but how it has, how having something that they put a lot of thought into of, you know, around the product and really differentiated themselves in the product, how much it helps everything else you do after. And so I think just, you know, if, for people starting out specifically or thinking about new products, it's just so much uh, go, of the future success of the product goes into how you approach the product, how you build the product, how you differentiate the product. And then beyond that, really how it fits with a very specific audience, with 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 your audience, how it resonates with your audience. And I feel like just if you're not starting with that, and if you don't have that in 2023, if you really don't have a great product market fit, if you if you have a bit of a me too product, I feel like 2023 is going to be a hard time for those people um, and those brands. But specifically for those who have brands, I think the story, it's it's actually the story of D2C and Pilot House in a lot of ways is um, it just content really wins the day. Content is king. We used to say this back in, in 2008, 9, 10, content really is king. And whether it's through ads or through organic, the opportunity for you to relate to your audience on a number of fronts through uh, original content that you create is, is there's never been a bigger imperative or opportunity, I think, to do that than in 2023. Like I'm constantly, I, I did an interview the other day with Mini Katana. So Mini Katana started as they sold letter openers um, for, you know, uh, that were in the shape of katanas and people there, people started asking them for real swords. So he started making real swords that he put and he, he basically took a sword and did some movements on it, took a, a recording on his camera and it got a, a thousand views uh, on TikTok and it got one sale. Actually, the second one, first one got a thousand views, no sale. The second one got a thousand views and it got a sale. He sold a, a sword mm -hmm. and he's like, he's now done, you know, over 10 million last year in sales on that exact principle, which is just like film something cool, figure out what people like, use these amazing organic algorithms to, to kind of get your story out there. Um, and his goal in 2023 is actually to have a billion monthly impressions on YouTube and zero dollars in ad spend, just entirely owning these organic channels as well. And I think whether you're doing it through ads, you know, through email, through, um, through organic, it's really just about sort of owning your audience's attention as much as possible and really, really having, uh, you know, quality engagements with them across a number of fronts by telling a great story, I think is one of my top level tips. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, the, the one thing I've heard very similar themes around everyone's moving into, you know, every company's a media company, every media company's having products, you know, but yep. I do think I'm like, how can people stand out when, you know, you think about 2023, what's everyone saying? Everyone's going to do video. Everyone's doing short video. Everyone's going to TikTok. Like I, I hear the same things and I'm like, how can you stand out when everyone's moving in the same direction? And everyone's going scrappy. I feel it, one of the big things yep. about performance marketing is often the ads that that took the least amount of work end up working the best. The ones that mm -hmm. are sort of, I was saying that I actually saw Nike re release, look, looked like a screenshot the other day. It looked like on their social media feed, it looked like they was actually like cut and pasted screenshot with some text over top of it, just of someone buying a pair of shoes or something. And I'm like, okay, the world is really going scrappy. And, and, if, and if Nike's going scrappy, how do, how do we even as an agency differentiate ourselves with our scrappy things? I think velocity is kind of the answer. Like the, the, the reason, the benefit of being able to do scrappy content at the, and it's the benefit of the fact that, you know, stuff from your, your, your iPhone or your camera that you're holding often will perform better than really polished assets is, is that ability to kind of continually put 
at content out there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people often will underestimate the amount of content that's required to actually run um, specifically an ad campaign I'm talking about here. Um, the amount of new creative assets, the new ideas um, that you need to you know, that you need to be working on. The other thing that I will just mention too, is we talk, we talk about all the time in the newsletter and in some of our educational content content as well. It's when you're running ads, we actually, we do something called the pilot test, which I don't, I think a lot of people skip in a way, but it's, a, if you're running ads, um, it's just a way of, of basically like identifying a number of customer avatars you have, and then associating specific angles to why that avatar might want to buy a product, building an ad around it and testing them all sort of head to head. So that before you go into like your assumptions of what a good ad is going to look like, um, really doing like a lower budget test with controlled costs where you, you, you give everything the same amount of traffic and just see what resonates. I think, you know, when it comes to paid advertising we used to be able to rely a lot more on the algorithms of the platforms. Um, but now it's, it's really creative and content's job to kind of throw it against the wall and see what sticks for lack of a better word. I think that's the position that we're at. So when it comes to standing out, like you, you know, authenticity is obviously super important and velocity is really important because there's no, there's a, you know, your audience has an unending appetite for content. The amount of time people are spending scrolling these videos mm -hmm. um, in the world today is pretty off the charts. And, and I think, and, and because it's so uh, instantaneous and gone the next day, I feel like brands in a, in a high growth phase that are really protective of their brand image are, it's, it's, I think that's, you know, running a, working with a performance agency, there's always those tensions a little bit between people that are really focused on keeping the brand fully unsullied and the people that want to drive performance on these platforms. Yeah. And I feel like tw it's going to be hard for, for brands that are, that are scrapping and trying to grow to not be scrappy and not be performance marketing oriented. I agree. I mean, I, I was talking to, I think he's the founder of Midday Squares. It's like a chocolate company and they blew up and um, it's a really good episode for anyone who has not checked that out yet, but he was going into like the nitty gritty of how they perform well on TikTok. And I mean, you have to be watching that content so closely. Like he was saying, they will put out a video on TikTok. If it doesn't get a certain amount of views within like the first 10 minutes, they cut it, pull it, redo the intro, upload it again. If it doesn't perform, they cut like three chances essentially to get the amount of views that they want in the first X amount of minutes. Um, and then if it doesn't work, they take it down completely and they'll try again, maybe in like six months or something with the same content. But yeah, it, it just it. It shows how much guys. it to be. Oh yeah, they're great. I mean, other than being hilarious and building a great company, they're also very analytical and like strategic with how they're approaching their content marketing. Do you know who their first hire was? Mm -mm. A videographer. I do know that. Yeah. It's funny. They were one of my first interviews, actually. So I just, when I was researching okay. this show, I saw that you just talked to them. They're actually speaking at my event in Vegas that's coming up. They're headliners. Okay. Because there's yep. just such a creative, energetic trio. Oh, and yeah. I think it's really instructive. Like they understood. And I think this is another point about content. And another really um, valid angle within content is that your story as an entrepreneur. Like I don't think you can, if you don't have an ad out there or a, a landing page experience that goes through your story with the product and why you created it, um, if you've ever been on anything like Dragon's Den or, uh, or these, uh, Shark, T Shark Tank, you know, using these as, as sort of like sales material is just absolutely invaluable. But so is this, just this general idea of the founder story. And for the midday squares, uh, um, three there to recognize that right off the bat that they're 
entrepreneurial journey was going to be a central feature of their brand identity mm-hmm. um, was genius. And it, it, it's, it works for customers uh, that are interested in your brand story. And for them, they are also, if I don't know if you follow them on LinkedIn, but any, any post they make, it's like a thousand likes and oh, yeah. comments. And they've just built like an instant network for mentors and business partners and other people just to connect on what they're doing. It's, it's really, I think, a, a secret superpower that being able to broadcast your story like that gives you. Yeah, I agree. They're yeah, super fun. I I do think though when I hear about this quick constant adjustment whether it be ads, content, whatever it may be, like it'll be interesting this year to see how AI shifts everything because I'm already seeing <sighs> tools right now coming out where I mean, it'll write your newsletter. It'll see what's performing well on your website. I mean, a tool just popped up today. I'll look at your website, see what people are interested in and then write a newsletter about that. And if it's not performing well, quickly enough, it'll cut it, change the headline. Like it'll just make all these changes and you can approve it if you want to until you like trust it. But I'm like trying to think about where creativity is going to come into play in 2023 and how much of it will actually require us or how much will just be this quick testing, removing, re-uploading and just like doing it for us based off our parameters. And based off of the, yeah, the micro signals that they're generating from mm-hmm. the people's behavior on your website. And it's yeah. it's absolutely amazing how quickly it's come on. I'm sure you've had other guests talk about how it's just this, what, it took six days to get to a million users. It took Facebook uh, a year. You know, it, it's yeah. it's the speed with which ChatGPT has kind of come onto the scene yeah. um, is Although the is company, though, has been around for 10 years. That's where it's like, I think people yes. look at OpenAI and they're like, oh, they just came on the radar really quickly and they got this many users and they're already almost at a billion in revenue. And then it's like, okay, but they have also been around for 10 years. And I think Google hit a billion in revenue quicker than OpenAI did. Oh, that's good to know. So, so, I mean, I still am all hyped up about it just like everyone else, but I'm like, let's make sure we compare it accurately that, yeah, they got a lot of users, but they've been around for a while too, like working on this thing. Yeah, and it's funny, like every ad platform, we, we we just did a big deep dive with our Google team and I'm actually blanking on what ad format it is right now, but they're constantly evolving new ad formats with the goal of you having to do very little of you of, of, you know, that's, that's all these platforms want to be able to take your information and, and make you sales without too much human intervention. It's been my experience so far. And we're actually going to explore this. I think in the newsletter, we want to do like a person versus machine series a little bit mm-hmm. where we, where we use um, copy from different ads and different landing pages written by AI and written by humans and maybe one that's humans aided by AI and, and see which one wins. I, I ultimately think it's going to be like, it's funny. We're, we're cyborgs in a way, like already as humans, like how much we're integrated with technology, we're, we're sort of, we've always been integrating technology, uh, close to our person, um, whatever's been available. So like, yeah, I don't see a world where we're fully replaced. And I, and I feel like always being able to tinker with the machine has always in my years of performance marketing ended up producing better results or which is it's something that I, I talk about with, with each platform head all the time. It's also ironic too, because we were, you know, as a tech, as someone who like is a creative technologist or whatever my career has been, it's like, I've always been like, oh, well, creativity, the creativity that I employ will be the last thing to be replaced. It'll be all the, you know, it'll be blue collar jobs or whatever, but it's like, oh no, it's actually the first thing they're coming for is yeah. all your creative endeavors. But it's exciting. Like we just, we just, so we just launched our landing page for our, our Las Vegas event. And I wanted an early bird, a super early bird icon to promote the super early bird. So I like just went in there and generated an amazing eight bit, like superhero lark little icon. And we put it on the website and that's, it'll look back as like the first thing that I did, you know, in commerce with AI, but like, it'll go a lot further. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely 
anything that, yeah, I would say obviously it's like repetitive where you're doing, I mean, I think about all the process in, like that goes on in media, whether it's creating graphic images, whether it's editing something, video. Even just what I described there too of angles, like that's just when it comes to that, when you've got to think from other perspectives in order to come up with like who your customer avatars might be, might be, that's something that we use ChatGPT for a little bit. It just does, it just like, you could just say, hey, write five different people who might buy this product with the reasons they might buy it. And it's like, you could sit there and come up with all of that, but your time yeah. would be so much better spent adding personality and interesting things to what gets spat out in you know, from that. So Yep, it's yep. it's wild. And it's like a new tool every day. It does something else. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, watching it leapfrog the past, I would say six months, I think six months ago or so I was pinging my team and I'm like, go look at this like Dolly three thing, like go check it out. What it's doing with images and image generation is very interesting. And then it was like two months later, I'm like, okay, now look at all these new things. And then all of a sudden chat GPT comes out. I'm like, all right, this whole thing just like leapfrogged over what was even happening a couple months ago. Like the advancements are wild and it's actually able to be actionable. Like people can actually start using it now, which normally right like stuff comes out and it's just like the engineers can use it. But like for the first time, it's actually pretty practical for people who aren't even technical. And yeah, like it's almost like I, it's almost like I need to start another newsletter. Like how do you, you know, which is sort of like AI in business. We're, we're it's funny, Pilot House, we're on their their Slack channel and they spun up a, a new channel and they actually have a contest going internally about like, and this is something your listeners can take, like there are going to be incredible opportunities for AI mm -hmm. to make your workflows easier, but just becoming aware of what's out there and what's what's usable uh, will be a challenge. Um, so, so Pilots, for instance, started like a contest internally for people to pitch ideas for how, you know, our workflows can be aided by AI and the people that comes up, come up with the best ideas will be rewarded kind of thing. And I feel like it's kind of an organizational imperative. I ask it of all D2C brands who I talk to now, like, how are you thinking about AI? How are you leveraging AI? I think it's something that everyone listening should be thinking about too. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. What are some of maybe the most interesting answers you've gotten from guests around how they're using this so far? Because I haven't seen too many people put it into practice yet. I've heard ideas around what could be done, but I haven't seen too many commerce brands putting it into practice. Yeah, I've only started to ask it. We had one person mention, well, I have. A, I also have a friend who's running a t-shirt business on Amazon. And mm -hmm. they now, instead of, you know, having a graphic designer make 
t-shirts, they, they go and they look, okay, what, what are the trends? Like, oh, people like teddy bears and they like coffee mugs. Okay. So they're like, okay, go create me a t-shirt design with teddy bears and coffee mugs or whatever. Oh. And so literally, and then it's Amazon print on demand. So they're able to print it across a thousand items. So it's just, it's just absolutely like blown up this, this one print on demand business that a friend of mine is running, which is, again, this is from an, the affiliate world. So you think about how yeah. an affiliate might think about scaling things really quickly across, across stuff. They've, they've done that. I've heard it being used for things like terms and conditions, like legal, like it's, it can write like legalese. It can write, mm -hmm. um, you know, Just take someone for, else's terms and conditions, probably good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Usually <laughs> that's usually ones. the entrepreneur's way, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I, I it's, it's something I got to continue asking. I've only had a couple people talk about it. Um, but that, that was the other way is, is literally through kind of like customer research, like simple customer research. It, it, mm -hmm. It's not going to create the really juicy bits that, that help you, um, create great ads necessarily, but it can really create a great outline that you can flesh in with more interesting bits when it comes to ad creation. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to go back to talking about what you've heard when it comes to growing on organic channels. I know you were mentioning earlier about the one brand who was growing organically on YouTube and they were doing some stuff on TikTok. And I want to hear maybe some things where you're like these founders or CEOs or whatever are doing things like this and they've had good results other than just making a lot of content and having good content. Cause that's pretty obvious. Like what are maybe some things where you're like, Oh, that's different than what I've heard. Yeah. Well, the one, um, from many, like the one is like where to focus. And I think it really depends. I think it's easy to, when you're doing this kind of video to, to cross, to, to cross publish and to try different channels, but really um, the one interesting feedback from the guy, from Isaac, who's, who's really dominating YouTube shorts is that YouTube is just so much bigger than any other platform. Like TikTok uh, feels big. It feels like it's fast growing, but it is absolutely nothing compared to the size of, of what you're able to get in, in YouTube. So when it comes to like picking channels, like focusing on, uh, YouTube first is something I think I recommend right now. I just think it's, it's, it's also just getting started as, as a channel, the shorts, the short side of, of YouTube. And so I think, I think focusing on that channel is a really good one and, and, and then cross publishing to the other channels to, to see how they do as well. I think back to like one of an interview I had last year with the marshmallow company, they literally, they just, they had a little storefront marshmallow company and they started going into their factory and actually showing how the, how the marshmallows were made, what they look like before they're cut, what happens when they get dropped, cool. like, should I slap the marshmallow? Um, various things where they're just doing videos that are really highlighting like the, how their products are made. And I think this is something when it comes to ads as well, this is like a tip we talk about every, every Q4 is like people like showing your warehouse, showing how the sausage is made, how the, how your products are made. Like people shy away from them because they feel maybe they're not as pristine or polished as they want to present their brand. But that those behind the scenes looks, um, whether it's in stills for ads or whether it's in your organic content, I think are things that people naturally gravitate towards. So like your personal story as an entrepreneur, as well as, uh, you know, really kind of showing what goes into your product, how it's made. Those are things in terms of content. And then really like it, it comes down to treating organic ads also like I talked about like performance marketing in a way mm -hmm. where you really isolate, okay, I need to have a really strong hook that draws people in at the beginning. I need to show the product in the following ways. I need to be kind of talking about the same things. And because like you're talking about the midday squares um, method there of, of testing things and pulling them down. And you can really, you really can, even on organic stuff, you can put up enough content to isolate or, you know, what parts of the video are, 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 are making things, are, are getting the most engagement, the most clicks, whatever your object is. 
And so really thinking about your organic content, yeah, like a performance marketer would is something I've seen a lot of brands have success with as well. Yeah, I agree. What about challenges that you've been hearing going into 2023? Like what are maybe things that you're hearing from these companies where they're like, okay, I'm all of a sudden starting to experience this towards the end of 2022 going into 23. Like these are some newer challenges. I mean, I've been hearing that sales are dropping off compared to what they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. A lot of these are definitely probably like MarTech companies and stuff, but they're like 2022 was crazy. And now it's actually starting to slow down quite a bit. So that's a normal one. But yeah, what are you? We're only four days in. Four days in and 2023 (laughs) has already gone to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Pilot House as an agency across all their clients saw like a very similar Q4 than we did to the previous year. And I don't actually have a huge handle so far on brands in 2023. We know on the advertising side, there's some of the big like funded um, SaaS companies and things like that, that are everyone's a little bit more cautious. I feel like everyone's just really trepidatious right now about yeah. what when the other shoe is going to drop in a lot of ways with the economy, like what what's even really happening here. What if it doesn't? That's my thought. I mean, I feel like we've been hearing about this recession for like, honestly, like six months who were like, yeah. it's coming, it's coming. And I'm like, what if we're all just like hearing these rumors? And then it's like next year, we're like, oh, wait, not what, where is it? We're still waiting. I don't know. That was a thought I ran on my head. <laughs> if someone told you we were in a recession right now, you'd probably believe it. Yeah. But like how many other times has it been predicted before? I feel like a lot of times when it happens, it's like, bam, you're in it. Everything's horrible. Look around. Like it's very, very a quick thing. It's not like a slow, like declined where like, we're still headed there. We're still headed there. I don't know. Yeah. It, feels weird. it feels very different than previous ones. <laughs> It feels weird. That's for sure. I, I think one of the sentiments I'm hearing, and it's, it's funny, we we were had a great 2021 as a company, just the media company, essentially, we doubled in 2022, which was amazing. And so nice. we're like, okay, let's double in 2023. And we're sort of like checking that a little bit. And I was actually just reading uh, one of my favorite influencers on uh, Twitter, a friend of mine who's been on the podcast a few times, Sean Frank from Ridge Wallet. Mm-hmm, and I'll too. steal a bit of his wisdom here. Um, he was just talking about this idea of like, oh, you know, D2C brands have to double. They got to, we got to keep growing in these like, you know, in, insane curves. Um, and he was just pointing out that, you know, compound uh, growth over the course of 10 years is is often a lot more sustainable and realistic. And so people that are, you know, on incredible growth trajectories, I'm not saying you have to slow down, but 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 just remember that that so much in this game is a bit of that long game and and being able to stay around because, the brands that can stay around will will reap the benefits um, because it's it just I feel like it's one of those periods. There, it probably is one of those periods where it's going to be hard. Not every brand will survive, and it'll be. It's not going to be maybe you know, times will be leaner than they have been in the past five years, and so I think it just yeah behooves every organization to really like get serious about their bottom line and potentially check expectations around doubling their business in twenty twenty three. Although we're going to still try. Yeah. I mean, obviously try. Yeah. I'm reading um, a good book right now called The Living Company. Have you heard this book before? No. So, I mean, it it was, the study was published before Jim Collins' work and it was essentially looking at companies that have been around for a really long time. And it's interesting how this person views like how to keep a company around past a hundred years, past 500 years. And it's, I think, a good book right now to study in the times that we're in because the author talks about things like that, where it's like, okay, the companies who are just trying to meet investor goals and uh, being able to hit certain, you know, double revenue, whatever the expectations are, like those are actually not not the companies that 
stick around for the long haul. And he goes into the ones that do and kind of the characteristics characteristics that kind of um, are all pretty similar. And then Jim Collins came out later on and he kind of touched on some of the similar ones. But these are like the first ones publishing a study and it was under Shell uh, because Shell has been around for such a long time. Yeah. But it's a good read for times we're in right now when it kind of says like, ignore all the flashy things that maybe you're told from investors and like, what you should be doing. And here are the things that actually are time tested and have mattered for companies who are past a hundred years old. So yeah. it's, it's maybe an interesting not the time to release your NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I mean, if you already tried, you gave it a shot. Now maybe try and figure out a strategy going forward of like, why, why do you yeah. need an NFT? Yeah, I think so. I think now's the time to wonder why for sure. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I like to ask is just what are you most excited about for the coming year? Like what things are you getting into this year? Um, what big projects are you taking on that you're not sure if they'll work out or not, but you're super excited about? Yeah, we'll be coming up on three years in March, I guess, of of publishing our, our podcasts, our newsletters. We've We've started, uh, we have a second newsletter as well. That's a daily newsletter where we use, another way we use AI is in sort of article summary in the space. We sort of curate the, the five most important bullet points that people mm-hmm. might need to know about um, your daily call to action, daily CTA. So we have we have that um, newsletter and daily podcast rolling. And then this is the year, it's funny, we, as a company, we, serve, we live on advertising revenue on, across our various channels. And we've always seen that as a bit of a one-legged stool uh, in, in some ways where, uh, especially in in tough times, you, you know, t- to hedge against that, we want to create sort of other other interesting revenue lines for the business. And and we've always had the vision of of building out education because we're sort of in this really great symbiotic relationship with Pilot House, our sister company. That you know they provide us content, they provide us expertise, we provide them clients um, who who read our newsletter essentially. And they also like they're they have really they they do have quite aggressive growth goals about growing the agency. And so they they have to hire new people all the time. They, when I started uh, in March 2020, they were 17, and they're now 166. Wow! Uh, in just That's three awesome. years in, and 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 so they need they need this training material. They need best practices across they you know across all of their teams. And so we have this organizational need to create training, and we have this audience of people that you know are are really interested in in learning digital marketing. And one of the neat things that we did that I'll that I'll throw it on the podcast like that I that I don't know that a lot of brands do enough of, especially content brands or lead gen brands, is like we started, when people subscribe, we just started asking them a series of, a tree of questions about who they are and why they subscribed essentially. And it's just given us this huge visibility into like who's actually subscribing, what their real pain points are. Um, And so I think, um, I think it's something more brands can do to find out like who's actually subscribing, who, who's buying their product. What are you asking them? Okay, so when you subscribe, we ask, are you a, are you, do you work or own a brand? Do you work for or own a brand? Do you work for or own an agency? Are you a marketing beginner? And what we found, there's interesting, we found that probably half of the people who subscribe to the newsletter are digital marketing beginners. And so we started going deep with them on what, you know, I don't know any, do, you know, but with their knowledge levels in digital marketing, whether they're, you know, coming from another field, um, and want to retrain into digital marketing questions like that, essentially for these digital marketing beginners. And what's really cool as a side note too, is it's, we've actually been able to tweak the number of beginners we get in our newsletter on the paid side, because now we have this secondary data point, we can actually optimize towards getting more qualified users. And we've mm-hmm. seen a huge uptick just from like changing our language a little bit, changing our, our, our Facebook, our, our, our TikTok targeting essentially for trying to bring people in. And it's been really cool to have this secondary data point on a sign up to be able to see 
um, us be able to manipulate it on the on the paid side. That's good. I mean, that's a good tip when thinking about like how to once again understand your audience wherever they are. I mean, you, you hear about this with brands when it comes to when they're purchasing, but yeah, you could do it in newsletters. You can do it in a lot of areas. And then you could probably start segmenting your newsletter, be like, okay, you're a beginner for the next six months, you're going to be on the beginner newsletter. And then after that, yeah. you're going to graduate to the more advanced one and just speak to them differently. Yeah. So I think the long, the long answer to that question is, yeah, we're building uh, both an education team and we're launching four events next year. We did uh, an event in September. We, we brought uh, about 50 businesses from mostly the US, which was really awesome, to Victoria, British Columbia, cool. uh, to this amazing setting that we, we set up there and, and did a mastermind with Sean Frank and um, Andrew Wilkinson and some other great people. Um, and so we've decided it, it just went so well. We got such great feedback about how good it was for, for, for people to be meeting up uh, that we decided to do four events in 2023. So we're, we've just launched our Las Vegas event, um, which is March 23rd and 24th, right before Shop Talk. And we're planning uh, a UK event in May. And then in Q3 and 4, we'll have uh, two more events. We'll do four events next year. And wow. uh, very, very excited for those because it's always, always such a fun time. That's cool. Okay. I'll have to follow along with these events and see what you guys are up to. Sounds awesome. Yeah. No, they will be. They're great. Eric, anything else that you want to cover that you want to dive into before I close this out? I think the only last point I had here is just Amazon always. Just any brand ever considering Amazon or not, just I think you cannot afford not to be on Amazon in 2023. It comes down to that sort of being precious about your brand identity. And I feel yeah. like it's just not something that most brands, unless you're like an extreme luxury brand or something like that. And even then, I think just Amazon continues, will only continue to, to be a bigger distribution channel that you just have to be on. So that was my only my only last point. No, that's good. I agree around that. There was, I think most of the brands I've talked to are on there, but the, I do remember like one or two where they came on, they're like, no, we're not, we won't do Amazon. I was like, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but everyone else has said you should be there. So, and not just to set it and forget it either, right. To really mm -hmm. be working with, with either someone you've hired or, or a team to really be optimizing your content there, be leveraging uh, Amazon ads, whereas I think it came out like last quarter, it was like the fastest growing ad platform um, oh, yeah. out there yeah. in terms of like of ad course. dollars coming, kind of coming into it. Yeah. And Amazon ads is, uh, you know, it's a really great way to bolster your organic presence as well over time. And the right strategy there can really, really accelerate things. Yeah, agree. All right. Well, Eric, this has been super fun. Thanks for coming on here and Anytime. talking through all these things that we got to. Where can our listeners or watchers find out more about you and what you're up to? If you want a three day a week newsletter on all the most tactical uh, performance marketing tips and uh, as well as highlights from from the interviews, you go to directtoconsumer.co and that's our website. Um, from there, you can see uh, the event that we're putting on in uh, in Las Vegas. And then otherwise, just look me up on uh, I'm on Twitter, Eric Allen Dick, D-Y-C-K-A-L-A-N and LinkedIn as well. And I'm, I'm trying to be more active in those places and take my eat my own dog food about telling my founder's story. <laughs> yeah, love it. All right. Thanks, Eric. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. 
If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.